from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. And welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot. We're talking college hoops in the Garden State. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Welcome back to the show, guys. A successful week for the contenders in the state of New Jersey. Seton Hall, Rutgers, Princeton, and NJIT have combined 8-0 this past week. They each won their two games uh, the past week. Seton Hall wins over Butler and UConn in overtime. Rutgers with wins over Michigan and Nebraska. Princeton takes down Columbia and Cornell, and NGIT beats UMass Lowell and Binghamton. A nice week for the Jersey schools here. We'll get into some uh, some more of the mid-majors as well, and we'll talk about the upcoming schedule for these squads. Also, we have a special interview coming up. If you love recruiting, if you're curious about the future of these teams that we're going to be talking about, or if you're just curious where some of New Jersey's most prominent High school basketball players will be heading to play. We have Jay Gomes joining us in just a couple of minutes. He'll break down all of the Garden State recruiting. We can't wait to talk with him. But a big week, Jerry. We'll start with you. Uh, the teams that we we follow, the, the contenders, like I said, in the state, taking care of business this week. This is the week where you saw this potential for a special season in New Jersey college basketball. You have five teams that are capable of making an NCAA tournament push and it started to come in relief. And let's start with Seton Hall, which played the game of the weekend in college basketball, taking down UConn 90 to 87 in overtime at the Prudential Center. Still shorthanded. The Pirates won two Big East games. UConn threw its best punch, one of the best games I've ever seen at the Prudential Center. Dan Hurley, who we know is a Jersey guy, is UConn's head coach, said Seton Hall has a lot of answers, and they did. They show they have a lot of guys who can beat you. This is a championship caliber team. We're starting to see coalesce in South Orange and in Newark. So that was an exciting development. And, you know, you saw some mid-majors put their best foot forward. Princeton winning on a buzzer beater, coming from way back, 18 down against Cornell. Uh, So, you know, NGIT is on a roll. They're 3-0 in their league. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Chris will get into Rutgers. He saw them demolish Nebraska. Uh, and Michigan, I was there for that too. So yeah, special week and maybe a special season in the making. Yeah, and Chris, the, that Rutgers team, they finally exercised the demons there and they beat Michigan and then they they just rolled Nebraska the other day as well. Uh, a nice week for the Scarlet Knights as they try to get back on track, try to get more consistent. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Look, I mean, Rutgers has won four in a row since coming back from that COVID layoff and you know, they're clicking on all cylinders at this point. And, and, you know, you look at that game against Michigan, um, you know, the Wolverines obviously were shorthanded. Their bench was completely, you know, depleted because of COVID-19 issues. And actually Michigan's now in a shutdown. So that continued to has really hurt them. Um, but, you know, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. had fantastic games against Michigan. Um, and then, you know, the other day against Nebraska, it was, as you said, it was it was a complete demolition. Um, I mean, Nebraska just Fred Hoiberg even said after the game, it was almost like they just kind of gave up at one point. You know, Rutgers just was throwing everything at them and, and the Cornhuskers had no answer and just didn't even try at one point. But still, I mean, you know, Rutgers, they had a lot of contributors in that game. And I think that that was huge. You know, you had the bench played really well. Andre Hyatt you know, came in and, and provided a spark in the first half. Um, and then Dean Reber enters the game, you know, just more than five minutes in when Cliff, Cliff uh, Omarui had to go to the bench with two fouls and played great. And and that's going to be huge. You know, Rutgers is going to need that depth that they're going to need a lot of contributors as this Big Ten gauntlet continues. And that's crucial. And we're starting to see this team 
you know, really kind of, you know, fire on the way that it needs to. So obviously, you know, we'll get into a little later big week coming up, but Rutgers is playing really well right now. A lot of contributions and, and that's going to be key for them. And Steve, too, a big week, as we mentioned, for the mid-majors as well. Mammoth, they were postponed, unfortunately, but Princeton and NJIT winning, and now St. Peter's and Mammoth coming up on the schedule. Well, you know, the mid-majors are one thing, but I, I think the biggest takeaway from the weekend was Seton Hall looks every bit of a Sweet 16 team right now, and they didn't even have Alexis yet in that game. I mean, that's how good Seton Hall can be. And, you know, you you wondered if, if they would come back you know, from a pause and, and what they would look like. And, and they really, really look good, you know, and, and again, I, and I think Rutgers in terms of, you know, he, now we need to see them win on the road. You know, you, you can't be that far behind in the net. I think they're one sixteen right now and just continue to win at home. That's why this week is big for them, but you know, you liked what you saw. Uh, but again, You've got to see more. You've got to see on the road from Rutgers. Now, in terms of the other teams, yes, Monmouth will get back. they got a huge game against St. Peter's coming up on Friday. Monmouth will be coming off a 23-day layoff. St. Peter's will be coming off a 27-day layoff. So who knows what you're going to see. But that's a huge game, a huge New Jersey game and a huge MAC game. Um, and as you got alluded to earlier, you know, the, the mid-majors are really playing well. And, and what you saw from NJIT, you know, they're 3-0 and in America East. They won three America East games in six days to start off the year to go to 3-0. and I mean, they're a real contender in that league right now. And, you know, you look at some of the stuff that's going on with them. I mean, Miles Coleman in those three games is averaging 24-8. and and he's a player of the year contender. So that's great. And and again, if anybody saw the replay of that buzzer beater from Princeton against Cornell, um, that was amazing. And, you know, seven straight wins since a loss to Hofstra and a lot of people lose to Hofstra. You know, they're 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 really a contender in the Ivy League and, and certainly look really good right now. Matt Alaco was on the yeah. run with two hands in his face. <laughs> From a twenty-seven feet, it was wild and good for good for Princeton, man. They they can win the Ivy League. There's no question they can win the Ivy League. And back to NJIT, NJIT has found the right fit. The America East is the right fit. This is the first time in in uh, eight nine years, nine years that they've been three and zero in the league. But this is the first real league fit for them. It's a geographical fit. It's an academic style school fit. It's a the level the right level for them. And they have two stars, and 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 uh, Steve mentioned uh, Miles Coleman, and, and Dylan O'Hearn is a terrific sharpshooting guard. Like, you have two big time players, you're going to be a good team. So, so yeah, a lot to be excited about here in Jersey basketball. It's, it's early January, but some of these games have had like a March vibe to them, which is really what you want. Absolutely, and as we said, a big week for these New Jersey schools. And as Steve alluded to, they'll have a chance to prove it on the road this upcoming week. Seton Hall at DePaul Thursday, at Marquette Saturday. Rutgers on the road as well at Penn State Tuesday, at Maryland Saturday. Monmouth, they're at St. Peter's, and they have Marist on Sunday. Princeton, they're home against Brown on Saturday, and NJIT, they have UMBC, and then they're at Albany on Saturday. So some tests coming up for these teams. And of course, we'll see how everything goes in the upcoming week. We'll have a more in-depth preview of those games after our interview, because as I mentioned, Jay Gomes, New Jersey high school basketball recruiting expert is joining our show. Jerry, Steve, Chris, they had a chance to catch up with him. Let's listen in on the interview with Jay. It is our privilege to introduce our guest this week on the Jersey Jump Shot Podcast, and that is Jay Gomes, 
the one and only publisher of NJHoops.com, the resource in New Jersey for recruiting news and analysis of high school players, uh, talent evaluation. Jay's been doing this for 27 years, even longer than I have. And if you follow me, you know that sometimes I'm a little skeptical of talent evaluation and player rankings, but never, never when it comes to Jay, because Jay sees these players in all their elements, high school games, fall league, AAU, summer team leagues, summer showcase events. He sees it all. So no one is more qualified to talk New Jersey hoops recruiting scene. Jay, how are you, buddy? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great, Jerry. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Love talking hoops with you guys. Jay says his catchphrase is great to be back in the gym. Jay, it's great to have you on the podcast. So let's let's jump right into it. Uh, and I, I have first a philosophical question for you. What is the key to evaluating uh, high school talent? What is the what is the art to it? Give us a quick overview of how you do it. Well, I, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot over the last few years to maybe get some sort of uh, summary of it. And what I came up with recently was I'll give you the six A's, Jerry. Okay. First of all, athleticism. Okay. The higher you go on the basketball food chain from the NBA to high majors like the Big Ten or the Big East to low division one to division two, II, division three, you see the difference in the athletic ability. Uh, second is, I'll use the term, I'm, some of these things are interrelated, but I'll use altitude, meaning height and length. You look at the Rutgers team this year, look at the length of every position. You have six, seven, Kalen McConnell playing the guard position. Uh, makes it very hard defensively. Uh, then there's ability. Can you make shots? Can you handle the ball? Can you pass the ball? Can you defend? Can you rebound? The different skill levels involved. Then there's achievement, which is a, a kind of a pet peeve of mine because I'll be sitting with a coach watching the game, and he'll like one recruit, and the guy looks pretty, but he doesn't do a whole lot. Then another guy on the floor might not look as pretty, might not fit some of the measurables, but gets a hell of a lot more done. So that's achievement. What do you do when you're on the floor? Do you make a positive impact for your team, or are you just another body out there? Then, of course, there's attitude. Are you a team player? Are you a guy who adds energy to your team? Or are you a guy who brings the energy level down to your team? Uh, and then also, of course, there's academics. Uh, do you do the work in the classroom? Are you a good student? Uh, you know, those are, in a nutshell, uh, the things you look at. Jay, what about COVID and how has that impacted your, the recruiting of these players and your analysis, how you're able to see these players over the last two years? Well, for me, it hasn't been as bad as for some of the coaches because last year I was still out every day uh, during the season. What it did for me was I wasn't able to go to a showcase on a Saturday or Sunday and see five or six games and see 12 teams. But it was all single games. But I was still out every day because they let me in the gym and 95% of the gyms in New Jersey last year. So it really didn't impact me that much seeing the kids. And then when the summertime started, uh, they got creative early and when, before COVID got bad. There was more outdoor events at parks, like AAU tournaments were held outside, which was kind of like the old days when kids played in the park, which I kind of liked. It was kind of refreshing. Um, so it was a little bit different. And, of course, uh, for me and for, like, most college coaches, uh, you know, the video has become more important. And, you know, that's what college coaches are living with these days. They're watching the kids on video all the time. Do you trust video? Uh, 
to an extent. It, it's funny. I was talking to, you know, a few coaches lately, and I was trying to get, you know, they're doing some preparation for this little interview and getting their feelings on it. And one of them had a good point to me. He said, in some ways it helped me analytically because I really have to fine-tune what I'm watching because I can't see the kid live as much. So I'm much more tuned into what I'm watching on video. But most of them say they can't really get a feel for the kid's actual size, his actual quickness, explosiveness, and it's hard to find out. You know, if you don't know the level of the guy they're playing against, it's hard to say where his skills really are and his athleticism really is. Hey, Jay, in those 27 years, who is the greatest player you've seen in high school coming out of New Jersey? Wow. Uh, I've been asked this question a few times, and there's a couple guys. I I can't pick one. I I mean, obviously, DeJuan Wagner was a tremendous high school player. Uh, Kyrie Irving was a tremendous high school player. Uh, and, and I always let mention this guy, too, because I saw him, I don't know how many times, in, in AAU and everything. He dominated every single game I saw with Shahid Holloway, now the coach at St. Peter's. As a high school player, he's McDonald's All-American, MVP at the McDonald's game over Kobe Bryant. He was that good at that point in his career. Uh, you know, those would probably be three of the best. I mean, there were so many other great ones. Those are three well, great those- ones. Those those names are relevant now, and let's start with Dewan Wagner because his son, you know, is playing for Camden. And what do you think of DJ Wagner and his? What have you seen from him, and what is his his potential? Uh, DJ is a great player, uh, great skill level. Uh, he runs a team, sees the floor, is advanced beyond his years as a player. Uh, he's you know ranked one in the country in his class. Uh, he's different from his father and he's not a high volume shot taker. Um, but he, he's a terrific player. Who else in uh, Jersey has really caught your eye this year, Jay? Who would you put it that, in that upper tier? Well, you know, it's funny. One guy who local fans are interested in, who I saw again on Saturday night, uh, Derek Simpson, who's headed to Rutgers. Uh, he was very good on Saturday night. Uh, he's gotten better. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten uh, a little more athletic, which, you know, kids don't always improve their athleticism. Uh, he was terrific. Uh, you know, he's one that's, uh, you know, is really coming into his own, and he's been good all along. And another kid who uh, who's headed to North Carolina, a junior, Simeon Wiltshire from Roselle Catholic, has been terrific this year as well. Uh, he's a six-five point guard who, with a great athlete, uh, sees the floor very well. He, he's another very good player. Let's go back to Simpson for a second, Rutgers-bound guard from Lenape High School. Uh, how would you describe his game, and how do you think you, – you see Rutgers a lot. How do you think he fits into what Steve Peichel's doing over there? Well, I think he fits in real well. Uh, he's Steve likes and, and the staff like you know, very skilled guys with size and athleticism, which every coach obviously wants, but they, they hone, pretty, hone in on it pretty well. Uh, he's, I've said this before, I think maybe even to you, Jerry, too. Uh, he's kind of like a Geo Baker to me, only more of a passing point guard than Geo. But he, he has a step back that, that Geo has. Uh, he could score the ball. He, he's just a very good player. And there's a guy going to Seton Hall uh, playing for St. Thomas Aquinas. Right now he's not playing. He's been out hurt. Uh, Jaquan Harris, his older brother, Jameer Harris, is in the Hall's rotation now. They're from North Brunswick. You have seen Jaquan. What do you think of him as a fit for Seton Hall next year and beyond? Jaquan's a very good player, too, as well. Um, he's a little – his brother I loved in high school, too, more of just a shooter and a little undersized. 
Jaquan is a little bit bigger, more of a point guard, uh, a little more athletic. Uh, going to be a very good player for Seton Hall. Could play uh, either the one or the two position. Uh, could score the ball at all three levels. Uh, he's going to be very good for the Hall. Hey, Jay, mom has got a couple of guys signed from New Jersey. The one kid from South Jersey from Shawnee, Andrew Ball, and uh, Jack Collins from Manasquan. What do you think of those two guys? I like them both. And one thing that, you know, Ken gets not put a premium on is he wants shooters. And both these kids can shoot the ball. Uh, Andrew Ball is a 6'8 shooter, had a real good summer, uh, could stick to three. Uh, Jack Collins was a little bit of a sleeper, local kid, came out of Manasquan, didn't have a whole lot of recruiting interest going on. Went to prep school. He's at prep school now. But the summer before his prep school, had a very good summer on the AAU circuit, and he was lighting it up consistently. He gets good competition. And, you know, Monmouth reached out and said, this is the kind of guy we like. Uh, you know, they're looking for the next George Pappas, and, and they might have it in one of these next two. All right. right, let's. You mentioned George Pappas. What I want to do now, Jay, is a quick – just quick drill. I got a bunch of names for you, New Jersey college players who've turned out to be pretty good. They're playing right now. You saw them in high school. I want you to tell me what you think of the way they've developed compared to maybe what you saw out of them in high school. Let's start with Ron Harper Jr., Don Bosco Prep to now Rutgers. What do you think of what he's become? Well, I, I think if you look at him early in his high school career to where he is now, you would say no way. Uh, <laughs> but if you look at him a senior year in high school, it was starting to come for him. So you realize there's something there. But did I realize he'd be this good? No. Uh, you know, it, it's a credit to him how hard he's worked. His body's gotten a little better. He's gotten much more athletic. Uh, and he always had a skill level. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, I liken him to Miles Powell in a way. Coming out of high school, they just didn't pass the look test. Uh, their bodies weren't ready yet for big-time college, and that's what kept most of the, the high major colleges away from them. But, you know, credit to them both. They worked hard. They got themselves bodies in shape for the college level, and they've had great careers. Bryce Aiken from Patrick School to Seton Hall. Bryce is very, very good, very confident. It's a little swagger to him, which I like. Um, he was pretty highly recruited coming out of high school. I knew he was going to be a good player. When he went Ivy League originally to Harvard, I knew he was going to be a very good player in in the Ivy League. Uh, he struggled last year with injuries at Seton Hall. And I'm like, I don't know. Can he make the adjustment to a high level? But this year, now that he's healthy, he's showing that he can. He's got a good skill level. He's very quick. He's got a terrific handle, uh, and he makes big shots for the Hall. Could anybody ever, even the smartest talent evaluator, ever have seen Shavar Reynolds becoming what he became? I, I don't think so. It, it's funny. I remember uh, in an AU tournament down at, in Neptune, uh, sitting with a couple coaches from small division once, and he had a real great tournament. It was like the last recruiting period of, of last weekend of the recruiting period of the summer, and couple of Northeast schools and America East schools were like, okay, what's going on with this kid? What's going on? I said, I don't think he's got nothing going on. I said, I think he could probably play for you guys. So then I'm like, you know, then he wanted to go to Seton Hall and walk on. And I'm like, okay, he'll be a good walk on because he's a tough kid. He's going to defend. He's going to be good to practice. Did I ever think he would start a season in the Big East? Never. But, again, credit to the kids. Some kids are workers. Some kids, you know, do what they have to do to get on the floor. Paul Mulcahy, Gil St. Bernard's to Rutgers. Paul McKay brought a unique skill set to, you know, the Rutgers, and he still has it. I mean, he's a 6'6", completely unselfish point guard. You know, he passes up open shots sometimes, which can be a little infuriating for some, but he makes guys better. And if you're going to move without the ball when he has the ball in his hands, he's going to find you and going to get you an easy basket. And, and I think, you know, Coach Pike loves that about him, calls him one of his best passers ever. Uh, but he always had that ability all along. 
Let's go back to self-made players. George Pappas. George Pappas, another guy completely under-recruited. I mean, everybody thought he was a Division three player coming out of high school. Uh, he goes to prep school up in New England, Gould Academy, and he had a great prep school year. And the guy could shoot the ball, and he grew a little bit. And, again, he took me by completely by surprise how good he's doing at Monmouth. I mean, he's turned into one of the best players in the league. And, again, credit to him. He could really shoot the ball, and he's gotten better with his ability to handle the ball and, and defend. So he's been a great – he's a credit to Monmouth. Union Catholic High School, uh, George went to in Jersey. What do you think of uh, of Jameer Harris? You mentioned him briefly. Jameer Harris has always been a great shooter. Great confidence, great range, uh, quick release. Um, you know, he's been – He's been great at American. He was one of the best players in the league, and he's got a role at Seton Hall. He's going to have some big games when he gets opportunities to knock down shots. How much more does Cliff Amore have in him at Rutgers? He's got more in him. I mean, Coach Pikel's done a good job in his, throughout his career at Stony Brook developing big men. So he's got to completely, you know, continue, I should say, to develop his post-move scoring inside. But athletically, he runs the floor. He blocks shots. He protects the rim. He's just got to get, continue to work on his offensive game to get a chance to play at the next level. Two more guys who are playing really well for St. Peter's, Doug Edert and Daryl Banks. Doug's Bergen Catholic, and, and Daryl is a Patrick School guy. What do you think of them and what they've become for Sha- Shaheen Holloway, who we mentioned earlier? Both another kids, two two great shooters. And the college game, everybody needs shooters. Uh, Daryl's gotten a little better, a little more explosive than he was in high school. Another kid didn't have a lot going on, and he had one tournament up at Blair where he had like 37 points and like seven threes, and people started getting involved with him. But before that, he had no Division One interest. Um, and, and Doug was, you know, played on one of the best high school teams in the in the country, at least in New Jersey, but, uh, Bergen Catholic. And he could always shoot the ball too. And he's gotten better, you know, putting the ball on the floor, creating for himself. He has a floater now. So they're both great shooters coming out of high school, and they've taken their game uh, to another level. Jay, give us an honest answer. How much lobbying do you get? How many how many people try to pull politics with you? What goes on behind the scenes with people trying to get kids moved up on your charts? Uh, it's not as bad as it used to, Jerry. Years ago, I used to get a lot of it. Uh, now, pretty much know that it's probably not going to work too well. So I think word's gotten around <laughs> a little bit that uh, I can't really be persuaded that much. But, uh, you know, it's I mean, people are looking out for you know what's best for their kids, and I understand that. Good for you. What keeps you going, man? 27 years and no sign of slowing down. And so you've been doing this through a pandemic now. A lot of people have been hanging it up. You're still going strong. What 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 makes you tick here, Jay? Well, I still enjoy it. I still get excited for a big game. I still, you know, get excited to discover a kid for the first time. Like one thing I pride myself on is, you know, when like, you know, the other so-called scouts are seeing, you know, Roselle Catholic or Camden for the 10th time. You know, I'm at another gym scene, you know, 10 regular high schools and trying to find, you know, a sleeper, trying to find a freshman that's got a chance to be pretty good down the road or some, you know, some kids that are going to be good small college players. Uh, you know, so I try to see everybody in the state and, you know, not just the, the high major kids. That's great. I think that last answer really sums up why Jay is the best and our favorite resource for New Jersey recruiting news. What do you think, Steve? Uh, he's great. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember seeing you in gyms, you know, back in the mid nineties. And, uh, what was your scout on, on billet back in the day? Well, billet, billet's another interesting example. I didn't think he'd be as good at Rutgers as he was. You know, he, he's a six foot kid, not a great athlete. He's not an above the rim kid, which almost every, you know, division high major division one guard is. And, 
you know, one thing that bothered me a little bit too, they teach you in grammar school, you know, don't jump on your passes. He always jumped on his passes a lot. Uh, you know, so, but, but he, he won games though. And he had moxie and he made big shots and I'm like, he's a good player. Did I think he'd be a thousand point scorer at Rutgers? No, I didn't. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of surprises. And, and one thing I try to do too is, you know, self-analyze you know, the kids I miss on a little bit. You know, why did I miss on them? And it happens, you know, now and then over the years. But uh, he's one of them that missed a little bit. Is there one that got away that you that still gnaws at you, Jay, or no? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you one. There's probably a couple, but uh, Jason Thompson at Ryder, who went out to play in the NBA, was just a little bit of a surprise for me. Uh, again, a complete sleeper in high school. I had him ranked like 30th in the class or something, which was for an NBA player. It was my lowest ranked kid, I think, when I went to the NBA. Uh, you know. And, you know, kids, some kids get better, you know, and he got better and he grew a little bit. But one thing, too, I realized when if I think when I look back, when I miss on a kid, it's usually because I haven't seen him enough or I haven't seen him enough against good competition. Because you have to see the players against players that are somewhat comparable to what they're getting at college level to see if they're going to succeed. Jay, what do you real quick, what do you, for our Shore, Jersey Shore audience, what do you think of the CBA team? And Jeff Billett has maybe brought them back a little bit this season, it seems like. Complete surprise for me. You know, I I look at this team and I'm like saying this might be Jeff's best coaching job, which is saying quite a bit. Uh, no real stars on this team. Hardworking blue collar kids though, who who do what he wants them to do, and they're very unselfish. Uh, yeah, he's got a good team there. The gospel according to Jay Gomes. Thank you so much, Jay. I always appreciate you fielding my constant calls. <laughs> You're the best. NJHoops.com, folks the Bible for New Jersey high school recruiting. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Jay. It. Thanks, Jay. We'll see you along the trail. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. All right, that was Jay Gomes, New Jersey recruiting expert. Jerry, always great to, to catch up with Jay. Well, there's nobody who knows New Jersey recruiting better than Jay Gomes. He's been the guy for a long time. And as I, as I mentioned with Jay in the interview, you know, I don't trust a lot of the recruiting rankings. If you follow me, you know that. I trust what Jay does because he sees these players in all elements, high school, AAU, summer league, team camps, uh, fall league. So he's a trustworthy voice. And to me, his word is gospel. And, and that was great stuff from him about a lot of different players, current and past, who he's seen so evaluated. So, so thanks to Jay. Absolutely great stuff there from Jay. And thanks again to him for joining our program. And as we look ahead to the upcoming week, Jerry, we'll start with Seton Hall because they have two road tests coming up at DePaul Thursday at Marquette Saturday. It's never easy to win on the road at, at any level in any conference. And Seton Hall now, the Pirates, they have two road tests coming up for this week. Yeah, this is a tough week. This is supposed to be Seton Hall's bye week. They had DePaul rescheduled from a December cancellation COVID stuff. Uh, supposedly, Seton Hall is going to have a full team at DePaul Thursday. Alexis Yetna, who's maybe their best front court player, missed the game against Connecticut, making that win all that much more impressive. He's supposed to be back. They've only had a full team for one game this season at Michigan. When I say full team, I mean the full nine-man rotation. They're supposed to have that at DePaul. It is a tough spot. Uh, but they are better than DePaul. DePaul has zero home court. DePaul has lost four straight Big East games. DePaul is back to being DePaul. And so I, I like Seton Hall a lot in this game. The, the acid test comes Saturday, you know, on a one-day turnaround at Marquette, a Marquette team which just ripped 
16th ranked Providence to shreds. Marquette's good. They're tough at home. Shaka Smart has remade this team in his image. High intensity, pressure, pressure defense, attack the rim. That is a very dangerous game for Seton Hall. Uh, I, I think a, a one in one week would be getting the job done for the Pirates on the road, a road swing. A 2 and 0 week would be spectacular, and they're certainly capable of it. But boy, it's tough to beat them, to pick them to beat Marquette on that type of turnaround with the way Marquette's playing on the road. I like them to go one and one for sure. Uh, and, you know, listen, tune in Saturday at noon because that's going to be a very, very good game to see how Seton Hall handles the pressure. Now, the Pirates do have a lot of guards, they have multiple point guards. Uh, their backcourt's really, really good. And so they'll be tested, but you know, they do have the firepower. They have the answers, as Dan Hurley said, to win a game like this. Absolutely. That'll be a good measuring stick game. We know how good Seton Hall is capable of being, but to go on the road, as you said, Jerry, into that environment against a good team. We'll see how the Pirates do Saturday at Marquette. Rutgers, uh, Chris, in a similar situation, too. They have some road games coming up at Penn State Tuesday, at Maryland Saturday. What's your outlook for the Scarlet Knights this week? Yeah, Ron, and, and as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, Rutgers does need to go on the road and get some wins here. It, it has to, you know, prove that it can and win uh, away from um, Jersey Mike's arena. So this is an important part of its schedule. You know, January has a lot of winnable games for Rutgers before it just February is just really, really difficult. I mean, they got a lot of tough games, some of the best teams in the Big Ten in February. So Rutgers has to really pile up wins as much as it can now and has two big chances to do that against two be very beatable teams in Penn State and Maryland. Penn State, you know, has had some decent games. They beat um, Indiana. Um, they pushed Purdue the other day before ultimately losing. So, you know, they're, they're, they're a solid team. They're a decent team, but they're definitely beatable for Rutgers. And Bryce Jordan Center is not the most, uh, you know, difficult place to, for visitors to play in either. So that's a big opportunity for Rutgers. They, and get at Maryland, you know, Maryland pushed uh, Wisconsin, lost by one point last night. Um, so, you know, they, they have already had a coaching change. I mean, so they've already dealt with their fair share of adversity, but again, another big opportunity for Rutgers to go on the road, you know, and, and really get two solid victories, um, away from home this week. So, you know, we'll see what they can do it, but definitely, you know, the Rutgers needs to take advantage of this part of its schedule right now. They absolutely have to go one and one. They cannot lose both games. I don't think they will lose both games. They have to go one and one Penn state is tough team to get a handle on. They play well at times. They stunk at other times. They don't have a home court. You just don't know what you're going to get out there. Uh, you know, Maryland's got talent. They're not well coached. Uh, the fans hate the program right now. The Xfinity Center is a tough place to play. Uh, Rutgers has not won there except last year when there were no fans. So I think that's the tougher game of the two. We'll see. It doesn't really matter how it how it turns out. Rutgers has to find a way to win at least one game. They're 0-4 on the road. I don't care if they win the rest of their home games. They're not getting in the NCAA tournament without at least one road win, preferably multiple road wins. It starts this week. Yeah, and don't turn one loss into two losses because, as you said, Jerry, that Penn State team, it's it's tough to, to get a read on them. They can sneak up and, and beat some teams sometimes, and you have to take care of business out there. And then, as you said, it's a tough place to play in Maryland. So uh, we'll see how the Scarlet Knights navigate this upcoming week. And, Steve, in the world of mid-majors in New Jersey, a big one we have circled, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Mammoth Friday at St. Peter's. That's a big one on the schedule for the Hawks, as well as Marist on Sunday. Princeton, they're home against Brown, NJIT, UMBC, and Albany. So a big week for our New Jersey contenders in the mid-majors. Well, and, and I think everything Mammoth's doing right now is hopefully building for a week from Tuesday 
when they host Iona. Right now, they're the only two unbeaten teams in the MAC. It'll be Rick Pitino's first trip to West Long Branch. Uh, it's been long awaited. It was pushed back nine days due to COVID. Uh, but first things first, St. Peter's, never easy to win in the Anatelli Center. Uh, there's never much atmosphere there. You really got to bring bring it yourself. And uh, listen, St. Peter's is good, and it's a tough matchup for Monmouth. Monmouth has played very well inside. Walker Miller has had his way with a lot of teams, but that's not going to be the case against St. Peter's. You know, they are good inside. Casey uh, Nudefo. Nudefo is, is a great rebounder. Uh, Fusini Drame is amazing 7.8 he's one of the leaders in the mac um and listen their guards are good too doug eddard out, out of bergen catholic has played really well this season so it's going to be a really tough game for monmouth both teams coming off uh, you know some big layoffs but but the reality is monmouth has three scores in the top six in the mac they can score st peter's is one of the best defensive teams in the mac it's going to be quite a quite a battle. So if Monmouth can can somehow get by that game, you know they they they've got a tough game. They got to go up to Marist on Sunday. Never easy against John Dunn in his place. Uh, but if they could get through that, it's going to really set up a huge game for Monmouth. Uh, here's so. all you need. Here's all you need to know about about the Monmouth St. Peter's game Friday. Both Steve and I are going. <laughs> Two of us are going to Jersey City. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. And a little subplot for you. You know, Shaheen Holloway is the guy who really gave Shavar Reynolds his chance. You know, he he's he was the initial point of entry for Shavar to Seton Hall. He brought him to – he invited him to the, a workout where Shavar really impressed Kevin Willard. And, you know, actually Willard wasn't even there. He impressed Seton Hall's players who told Willard, we got to get this guy. And Shavar uh, would tell you that Shaheen was really instrumental to his development as a player those first couple of years. And I know Shavar really strongly considered St. Peter's for his graduate year. It came down to St. Peter's, Monmouth, and Elon. He had some connection to Elon in North Carolina. So those were the three schools. And I know Shaheen was really disappointed he couldn't get them. So, you know, Shavar decided to stay home, and it's worked out fine. But that's an interesting, fun little subplot for the game. Yeah, absolutely. And then, as you said, you know, Jerry, that it's it goes beyond that, too. You know, these players are familiar with each other. They're obviously in the same conference, but being two New Jersey schools, uh, they've been teammates at times. They've been they've gone against each other at times. So it's just another plot to add to what should be a really fun game Friday night in Jersey City. And then, as we said to Princeton, they have Brown on Saturday NJIT. UMBC and Albany. So, uh, so a nice week ahead for our mid-major, Steve. Well, I got to tell you for NJIT, you know, listen, they've got some games this week, but if they can, they can take care of business next week, Vermont and Stony Brook on the docket, two huge games, two of the best teams in the, in the America East. Uh, so there's some really big games coming up for, for NJIT. NJIT is the surprise story of the eight New Jersey schools thus far this season. I, we, I did not think they would be this good. So good for them. They are a pleasant surprise. And we're, we're watching now. Absolutely. We're watching. And, and as I said, it was a successful week for these schools last week. We'll talk about it, obviously, next week and see how they go. Some big tests coming up for these New Jersey college basketball teams as many of them hit the road and we'll find out just how good a lot of these teams are. A quick programming note. I know we usually come to you every Monday, but next week, a week and a day from now, we'll come to you on Tuesday after the Martin Luther King holiday. So Tuesday, January 18th, that's our next 
Jersey Jump Shot episode. We'll recap all of the games we just mentioned and then look ahead to the following week as well. But that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Again, thanks to Jay Gomes for stopping by the show. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, be sure to visit NorthJersey.com and APP.com to read all the college basketball reporting from Jerry, Steve, and Chris. Thanks again to you guys for being here. Thank you for listening wherever you might be. This has been Jersey Jump Shot. We'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.